So uh, this is a foundation week. If you've never been to City Hills, we typically preach in this idea of a series or we take three or four weeks, five weeks together uh, around the same topic. And it really gives us a chance to unpack completely. And I love the first week of every series because I kind of get a, I get to give you a foundation and kind of a 30,000-foot view of this, uh, this idea of taking uh, ground. And over the next three weeks, we'll get super practical, and I'll, I'll give you some, some tools and some steps to take ground in your life. And so hold on to your seats for the next four weeks. I really feel like God has given me this series. I felt this series very strongly, uh, and, I, and I, I really have given much time to prayer and and to study God's Word to bring these messages to you about conquering some things in your life. You know, the New Year is a great time to evaluate where you are. It's a great time to step back on the scales. Come on, somebody. Where you at on that? I know you haven't for a few months, and you ought not. I, I, I think they ought to disable all scales at Halloween. Come on. And then turn them back on in January. Like, there's just no need to worry. It's Somebody asked me this morning, some kind spirit-led dream teamer said, Pastor, are you losing weight? I said, no, but get over here and let me bless you. Come here. Get, let me put my hands on you. And, no, I'm not losing weight. But, but this is a time to evaluate. Where am I at? Where's my marriage at? Where are we at in our relationship? Where are we at in our finances? I don't want to cause a fight in your marriage, but have you got a budget you've looked at in the last year come on like let's get together on where we are and where is my spiritual life at what am I actually doing listen that I need to stop doing what am I not doing that I need to start doing and what's working in my life what's it's really what I'm kind of I'm I'm really built this way on the Enneagram if you're familiar with the Enneagram personality profiles I'm a three and I am very results uh, driven and oriented. I want to see that it works. The reason why I struggle with your magical formula of eating right and exercise, like that's it, is, beca- is because the results aren't as quick as I want them. Are you with me? It's not as fast as I want it. I, I want to see results. And if results come quickly, I know it's working. There's some things in your spiritual life that you're going to have to look at and get honest and say, this isn't working. Like this, this isn't giving me the spiritual thing in my... We can spend a lot of time in our lives, in our relationship, in our marriage, in our spiritual lives, in motion and not have any movement. Can I get a better amen? Like no, no movement forward. There's a whole lot of activity going on. You ever got to the end of your week exhausted and looked back and didn't accomplish anything? Or just the end of your day, and you fall into bed, and you think, man, what a day. And so you start rehearsing everything you did today, and you can't think of one thing you accomplished today. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of motion going on, but I'm not moving anything. And we kind of live, I'm going to be honest with you, we kind of live in a world who glorifies motion and not movement. The people who get all the likes on Facebook talk about all the motion of their lives, but if you were to peel back one layer of the profile, there's no movement forward. I'm preaching good already. I feel good about this series. I got Wheaties in me, I'm telling y'all. 
I am going to preach this until it moves hell in your life because I am tired of circling the same things in my life year after year, decade after decade, and never moving forward. And the enemy's big plan for your life is to get you exhausted in the same spot you were when you started 2019. You're more tired today than when you started there, but you're no further along. There's motion, there's just not any movement. There's a lot of saying, there's not a lot of doing. There's a whole lot of posting, there's just not a whole lot of participating. There's a lot of looking spiritual. Oh, I'm, I'm, everybody just look straight ahead. Don't, don't touch your neighbor or nothing, just look right at me. There's a whole lot of spiritual looking things with no spiritual fruit in your life. There's a lot of comparing about, well, we used to do it with that, this better over there, but there's no contributing to you know, it's difficult to compare if you've never contributed. There's, there's a whole lot of asking, but, a not, but not a lot of working. Like there, There's just a lot of motion. You can be doing a lot and going nowhere quickly. I do all of, almost all of, let me say it that way. I do almost all of the grocery shopping in my house. We're all of my favorite grocery shopping people. Where y'all at, you love it, you love it. You, I love it, Stu, I know... One of our elders, we, we bond over H-E-B. Come on, somebody. Texas is blessed with H. Here, everything's better. Can I hear a good amen on that? H-E-B comes from God, and I love it. And Brandy will, 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 will make a list, and I'll go. And the list isn't long, but I'm hours in H-E-B. I just like to walk the aisle slowly and be spirit-led and just there's some stuff I didn't know I needed. I, I, I didn't know you could grind your own almonds. and I, I just come home with random things we'll never eat. I just thought this looked neat. I found it on the international aisle. I feel very international right now, you know. <laughs> I love grocery shopping. It probably came from the way I was raised. I was raised in the deep south in Arkansas. I know it's hard to tell by my accent and uh, I went grocery shopping with my mom every week. We ate at home every single night of our lives. We would eat out once a week, usually on Sunday. But we, and mom was a big meal planner, so there was a, you know, it was a list, and it was done by the meal. Anybody with me so far? And I just, I don't know. I, I loved going there. And and if I, as a, as a kid, I would go to the grocery store with my mom when my brother wouldn't. He just had no desire to do it, and I really enjoyed it, and I, I remember as a child, if I behaved in the grocery store, which behaving in the grocery store for me meant squeezing my husky thighs in those cold buggies, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody with me on that? And it pinches the back, are you with me on that? And it pinches the back, and, ah! and, you, and but if I didn't scream and beg for things, then there was a prize waiting at the end of the grocery store. And the prize was the same, at least in the small southern town I grew up in. The prize looked just like this. This is what I got to do if I behaved in the grocery store. I got to take a quarter outside, and I got to ride champion racing. Come on, everybody. I was, this was the most amazing thing. I rode like the wind. I was a cowboy before cowboys were cool. And I rode that joker like the wind. You look at his eyes, the determination in his eyes. The only thing more determined than him is me. I held on for the ride of my life. 
I wasn't going anywhere at all, but I was riding. I would get off of the horse exhausted. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> Mama, that was something. And I was in the same parking lot as I had started in. There was a whole lot of movement, a whole lot of motion, just no movement. I made a whole lot of noise. I just didn't go nowhere. I, I sweated. Now, I sweat a lot because I'm husky. Come on. Whatever. But I didn't go nowhere. And this is the way many of our spiritual lives look. It looks like the, the real thing. It's just not the real thing. It rides similar to the real thing, but it's not the real thing. You can even fake the motions of the real thing, but there's no movement forward. You can get off of it riding thinking, man, I've accomplished something, and look around and you're still standing in the same position you were in a decade ago. And you look after 10 years of your life thinking, what did I do with all that riding? And where did all my quarters go? Come on, somebody. I've spent millions of dollars and ridden millions of miles and gotten nowhere. Am I preaching to anybody? I've just been slinging mud in my life. I've, just, I, I, I just, I've been believing God, but I feel like I'm spinning in mud. I've been living the same cycle of sin and temptation year after year after year. After same dysfunctional year, I have the same lack, I have the same fears, I have the same fights, I fight the same devils, we argue the same in our marriage, I keep riding this thing, feeding it quarters and going nowhere. Would anybody testify you know what that feels like? And I am declaring to you on this first Sunday of a brand new year and a new decade, this is the year. And this is the decade that I get all, I dismount the dead horse that got me nowhere and I start taking ground in my life in Jesus' name. You ought to clap better than that if you're really ready to move on. I'm ready to move my life forward. I'm ready to really start conquering some things in my life. I'm ready to make progress in my marriage. I'm ready to partner with God to fulfill my purpose once and for all, to really go home satisfied, go to sleep fulfilled, know that I'm doing what I was designed by Almighty God to do with my life. I'm ready to see the plan of God unfold before me. I'm ready this year to find freedom from my past, to really settle my yesterdays, to let go of the offense of yesterday, to unlock my destiny. I'm ready to take ground in my life. And if the enemy of your soul can get you on the horse again, you'll live another year with a lot of motion and no movement. You'll get to the end of 2020 exhausted like you were at the end of 2019. And you'll look back over your marriage, your finances, your physical health, your spiritual lives, and you'll still be in the same spot that you started in. It is the enemy's good pleasure, I believe, in this particular culture that we live in to exhaust you. When he can't distract you, when he can't defeat you, he'll just wear you out.
spinning your wheels and going nowhere. Because if he can spin your wheels long enough, you'll eventually think this is silly. You'll eventually outgrow the toy and you'll, you'll think you've outgrown God. You'll think I'm bigger than this. God just not going to answer this. I guess this isn't just going to happen for us. I guess we'll, you'll settle for this experience. You'll tell your friends you rode in the Kentucky Derby and you never left the parking lot of the Piggly Wiggly. Motion, no movement. The Old Testament has what I think is probably the best story of conquest in, uh, in all of literature. I think it gives us a framework for the next four weeks we're going to dive into this idea of taking ground. And it is based around the conquest of the promised land. If you're new to the Bible, the children of Israel have been landless for almost 500 years. No place to call home. The fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were nomads. They lived their lives moving from place to place. To, matter of fact, the whole story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their whole lives in the Bible are moving from this place. It's the narrative of this is what happened in this place and then they moved and they went to that place and then, and then they moved and they went to that place. And, for, and for, all, for nearly 500 years, they conquered no land for themselves. They just rented land. God, I wish I had time to preach it like I feel it. But some of you have rented the things that God has des designed you to own in your life. Some of you are renting peace from somebody else when God designed for you to have it for yourself. Some of you are renting joy from a spouse when you were never meant to have part of their joy. You were meant to possess joy in your own life. Some of you are renting purpose from the person that you're in a relationship with. They give you value. You were never supposed to rent purpose and value from them. God gave it to you to own. But they were nomads. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob spent 500 years wandering around with no home and no land. And then after that, nearly, nearly 400 years of that are in slavery. They're in Egypt. The children of Jacob, the children of Israel are in slavery in the land of Goshen where they grow to, most historians believe, about 600,000 men plus women and children. So a few million people in slavery. 400 years of slavery. There had been decades and centuries of generations of people who have been born into and died into slavery, never knowing freedom, never knowing what it's like to possess a place that's ours, never knowing what it's like to have a home and, and a place that we own and land that belongs to us. And then, I don't have time to tell you, but miraculously God delivers them from this slavery in Egypt and Moses leads them out, but now they've got 40 years of wandering. 40 years of learning, 40 years of failing, 40 years of training to live in God's blessing and guidance. How many of you know that even though God can deliver you from slavery, you have to get slavery out of you? Are you with me on that? You, gotta set, you, can be, you cannot be in Egypt and still have Egypt in you. And so they spent 40 years. They had a promise from God. God had promised Abraham the land of Canaan. Five hundred years earlier and for 500 years they had ridden the horse of motion 
that I'm just, I, I, I know it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. God made us a promise, listen close, but they had not taken possession of it. There was an inheritance from God. That was the promised land, Canaan. As a matter of fact, let me just pause here and tell you, in light of current spiritual events and physical events, going geopolitical things around the world, you don't have to agree or understand it, but God made an eternal covenant with His people, with Jacob, that the land of Canaan would forever be established for the people of God. It will always be, the land of Israel will always belong to God and to God's people. It was a promise from God. It was an inheritance that God had. So they had an inheritance, they just didn't have any land. Write it down like this, write this in your notes. Inheritance comes from promise, but possession comes from obedience. You can have an inheritance, a promise from God. I believe God is going to give me this. I trust that this is coming from God. The joy, that peace, that healing, that wholeness, that my spouse, that our marriage, that financial security, that healing in my body. I, I, I know it's a promise from God, but you can have an inheritance from a promise and never have it because possession of the promise comes from your obedience to God. You can have a promise and not possess it. Are you awake on the first Sunday? Say amen. You ever heard a sermon about God's promises and gotten discouraged? Am I the only one? You ever heard, some, you ever heard a preacher like me tell you that God's got the best for you in 2020 and you sat there thinking, I've heard that before and it's still not, it's still not there. I still don't have it. I, I've heard everybody say that, but I, I, I don't have it in my life. It's not showing up in my marriage. It's not showing up in my, in, in my joy. You ever read a book or an article about... God, you know, blessing someone or the faithfulness of God in somewhere else and you felt cheated because you didn't get the miracle they got? You, you, you ever felt like that somebody else is telling a story about how God fulfilled a promise to them and there's this little voice inside of you that says, why not me? Why didn't we? Why couldn't I? Why, why didn't I possess that? Anybody but me, real and human in the room today. <laughs> I felt it before. God, I know there's a promise, but I just don't have it yet. I'm not possessing it. I know you have it for me. Where's the promise of joy that no one can take from me when I'm lonely and depressed? Where's the promise of authority to trample over the powers of the enemy when I've fallen into the same sin again? Where is God's promise of peace that passes understanding when I'm more confused today than I've ever been? I believe there's a promise, but I don't have it in my life. The answer for you today, listen on this foundation weekend of taking ground. Before we look at, before we look at the crossing into the promised land and you taking everything God has for you, you got to know this. The answer is not in God's promise. It's in your possession. The answer is not God's failed you. It's I am not possessing all that God has for me. Why? Why would we struggle with possession and taking hold of everything God has? Why do Christians struggle with, I believe that you can, but I don't wrap my arms around it and go after it and get it. I believe that it's for me, but I haven't done it. Why don't we obey? I believe God wants to bless me, but I don't want to obey in tithing. I believe God wants to bless my marriage, but I don't want to obey in praying together and getting in God's word together. Why is it that we struggle? Here's the reason why. Write this down. Because God gives us seeds, not trees. <laughs> and we pray for trees, and God doesn't give trees. He gives seeds. God, I'm preaching. I wish you'd shout amen, or I will start a third service and just preach to people who want to amen. 
God gives seeds and not trees. You're praying for the shade tree of blessing in your life and God put a seed packet in your pocket 10 years ago that you haven't put one in the ground. Faith is like a mustard not tree. Faith is like a mustard seed. you got to take that, put it in the ground, water that thing, mulch that thing, put it in the sunlight, give it some nutrients. you got to grow what it is you want in your life. Shout amen to that, everybody. God never made a table. Never. God has never constructed a four-legged table. God has never made a long dining room table beautifully stained. But God has made beautiful oak forests. And God did put iron core in the earth. And God did give you strong arms and a strong back. And God gave you a brilliant mind with an imagination so you could draw a table. But you're going to have to get up, make yourself an axe, walk into the forest, cut down a tree, carve the wood, glue it all together, stain it the right color. And when you made your own table, now God can fulfill His promise of Psalm 23 that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But God didn't bring the table. I brought my own table because I made it myself. Shout amen to that. Because I participated. I possessed the thing. I obeyed God, did the thing God wanted. I'm going to calm down. Y'all don't love good preaching like this. God has put everything you need in your hands. But it is my job in 2020. If you go into this praying and fasting season, believing that lightning bolts are going to fall out of heaven and fix your deadbeat of a husband, I am here to give you the bad news. It's probably going to take more. It's going to take work. It's going to take possession. If you thought, now, is, does that mean God can't work miracles? No, I believe He does. He'll work miracles along the way. You'll see when we open up God's Word, He'll part the Red Sea for you. He'll bring the Jordan River so that it banks up and you walk across on dry land. He'll conquer your enemies. He'll give you a Rahab that'll protect you when you get there. God will do His part, but you got to get your stuff together, pack up and decide, I am going to possess everything God has for me, shout amen to that. God promised Abraham to be the father of many nations. That's an inheritance. It was a promise from God. But it was the promise gets fulfilled when Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain. That's obedience. God promised Joseph, you're going to rule over your brothers. He gave him a dream. You're going to be the ruler over your brothers. That's the inheritance. That's the promise. But the promise was fulfilled in Joseph when he was in the bottom of a prison, when he was a slave, and he still maintained his integrity to God. That's obedience. God promised Joshua, the new leader of the Israelites, when Moses dies, God promised him and the Israelites, you will dwell in the promised land. That's inheritance. But they only laid hold of their inheritance, not with weapons, but when they marched around Jericho according to God's command, that's obedience. There's so many people who blame God that His promises failed when really my obedience failed me. And if you're going to move forward in this new decade, you're going to have to possess everything God wants for you. 
you're going to have to actually take some ground back. I, I've heard uh, Brandy and I were talking the other day, and we talk every day. And um, <laughs> it sounded funny coming out. She actually started talking to me again. And so we were talking the other day about, about I have seen on faith, and maybe, and maybe you've done this, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just, I feel like I've seen it more that people are talking about their word for the year. You know, what's your word for the year? What's your word for the year? And, and people are saying, you know, this is the word God gave me for the year. Maybe you do that in your family. I, I have a friend who, you know, their family kind of got around, and, and this is the word that God gave each family member there. And, and I love that, and, and, and I love to get a word from God. And I feel like I have a word for this church from God. But, but listen close. Write this in your notes. You're not going to get a new word until you obey the last one. <laughs> You're not going to get a new word from God until you obey the last one you got from God. God isn't like your GPS. There is no recalculating when you take the... There it, God just says, I need you to go back. Uh, it, it sounds like this. When I, when I mess up on Google Maps, it sounds like proceed to the root. Are you with me on that? Get back on the track I told you to go on. I mean, you can get there this way. I can fix this mess, but I gave you a last word. And some of you, heaven is silent, not because God's trying to abandon you, but because He gave you a word already. You just haven't acted on that. Why would I give you more stuff you're not going to act on when you didn't act on the last word I gave you? So if God has given you a word, act on the word I gave you. Move your life forward, not just in inheritance, but in obedience. Shout amen to that, everybody. Henry, come play so they think I'm done and quit yelling at them. Inheritance isn't enough. Obedience is the way to take ground in your life. Obedience is where you move forward in your life. And, and, and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to preach to you about the children of Israel. Joshua's conquest into the promised land. And the children of Israel possessing the land. But it started with Moses. Moses is the quintessential leader. He hears from God in Egypt that I'm not like the Egyptians. There's something different about me. He sees a Hebrew killed and it sparks something in his mind. It's usually the way God talks to me is I see something that needs to be fixed and usually if God showed you it's because you're the one to fix it. And so he, he kills an Egyptian, and he has to run to, to the desert. He spends 40 years there, and then he goes back to deliver the children of Israel. And he, he leads the Hebrews, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but he leads the Hebrews out of 400 years of slavery. And he feels so unqualified. He actually has a conversation with God where he complains about his speech. And, and he says, I stutter. Use Aaron, my brother. He's a lot better um, at talking than I am. God kind of corrects him and says, who made your mouth? It's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Who made your mouth? God says. But he leads them out unqualified. And then, and then they're, they're literally in the desert about 12 days, 15 days. And as you read through the stories, they start complaining to Moses about where they are. And so he listens to this complaining. And he goes to the mountain, you know this, and, and he receives the law from God at Mount Sinai. And 
and he builds the tabernacle. I'm giving you, I'm giving you months and months of history just quickly. They build the tabernacle and they worship God and they move and they move and they move. And they, and they wander for 40 years. And they, and, and they move and they move and they move. Once they get to Horeb, a couple of, a, a, about two years into the journey, they're only 11 days from Kadesh Barnea, which is the bottom of the promised land. The Bible actually says it was an 11-day journey. And they had 38 more years of wandering and wandering and wandering. Aaron, his brother, has now died. Aaron, the first high priest to God, dies and Moses is alone. And Moses is nearing the end of his life. The book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of Moses. It's the book of the law again, as a matter of fact. In Hebrew, it's actually the law again. And it's honestly, Deuteronomy is, is kind of a whole book of Moses saying goodbye. It's this 123-year-old man who is saying goodbye to the people he's led out of slavery. Listen close. And he's reminding them of all the motion and no movement. And, and, he, and he kind of... He, he kind of just goes over and rehearses what has gone on. He reviews the Ten Commandments and he tells them some dietary laws again. He talks about the, uh, some laws in, in governance and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and, then, and then he just he reminds the people of God that I, I've blown my chance. I don't have time to preach it to you to go to the promised land, but Joshua is going to take you. And the Bible says he, he climbs to the top of Mount Nebo. He gathers together and he dies. But before, and he, he looks at the promise. Nebo is situated such that he could see Canaan. And, and before he dies, he, this is what, this, he opens his goodbye like this. East of the Jordan, Deuteronomy 1 and verse 5. East of the Jordan. So the Jordan River is all that separates 500 years of motion from possession. The Jordan River is all that separates 2 million Hebrews from slavery to freedom. The Jordan River is all that they can see it. They're on the east side. On the west side is Canaan, the promised land. East of the Jordan, the territory of Moab. Moses starts to say goodbye. And he said, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, write this down, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And my word to you in 2020 and possibly this decade is you've stayed long enough at this mountain. You've stayed long enough. In unforg- I, I, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. I wish I had time because I, I feel the gift of prophecy in the room that you have stayed long enough circling around a failed marriage. You've stayed long enough circling around the pain of an abandoned father, a, a mother who walked out. And you've stayed long enough in the mountain of fear over our finances, insecurity, Are we going to make it? Is this going to be the year we finally get our feet under us? 
You've circled the mountain of health issues and crisis. You've circled the mountain around your children, raised them right, and now they're 16, 17, 18, 22 years old and far from God. And Moses and his goodbye says, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. I chose this translation just for this into the hill country. <laughs> Go to all the neighboring peoples in Araba and in the mountains and in the western foothills and in the Negev along the coast to the land of the Canaanites, the promised land to Lebanon. As far as the great river Euphrates. See, here's the last thing I want you to underline in your Bible. I have given you this land. The issue isn't promise. Now go in and take possession of the land. The issue in your life isn't the promise of God. It's possession. It's not that God hasn't given you peace and joy and and healing from that past wound and wholeness in your relationship and healing in your mind. It's that you haven't grabbed it with both hands and possessed the land. The Lord God swore He would give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants. Just go in and possess it. He's already given you peace. Just possess it with right thinking and spirit-filled living. He's already given you joy. Just possess it with the choice every day to rejoice no matter what in every circumstance. Possess it serving others. The Bible said that my joy may be complete in you when you join the dream team and serve others. You'll have joy. He's given you a whole marriage. He's given you healing in your relationship. Now possess it with praying together, fasting together, reading God's Word together, going to counseling together. He has already given you, listen close, a spiritually vibrant life. Now possess it. 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's how you lay hold of it. That's how you go in and possess it. Get a, get a Bible reading plan. That's how you possess it. I know it's not as spiritual as you thought it was. It's just, it's just walking up and possessing it. It's just, now go in and possess Now go do the thing that God told you to do. Now now put your hands around it. Now join a connect group in a couple of weeks when they launch. Now get on the dream team today at Growth Track. Just If you want to spiritually move your life forward, just go in and possess it. I've already given it to you. Salvation is this way. Jesus already paid the price for you, but you have to possess it. You've got to put your arms around it and possess it.